the basement with Rakagoth. Today I'm talking in the basement with Tisa, but before that, a word from our sponsor. Mishima Industries is back this week with another announcement. They're offering 50% off of any workshop at their Fighting Center franchises. Come learn Kazama-style traditional martial arts, freestyle karate, kickboxing, hand-to-hand combat that centers on grabs and throws, capoeira, godfist-style Chinese martial arts, Mishima-style fighting karate, taekwondo, the brute force fighting style, pro wrestling, Heihachi style improved Kuma shi- Shinken? Shin- Shinken? I can't say that. Shinken. Heihachi style improved Kuma Shinken, Bajikwan, Bartitsu, Bagwang. I can't say that. And there's another word I can't say. Uh, and then Jeet Kundo, street brawler style, assassination arts, judo, boxing, ninjutsu, and Satsunken? How do you say that? Okay, they can't be paying me enough to say all of these. Let's start the interview. Could you give me a brief general introduction about who you are? So my name is Tisa. I'm 38 years old, 80s child, born in small South Caribbean island called Grenada, born and raised, visited places around the world, but never really stayed anywhere for longer than a vacation period of about three, four months into things like gaming, of course, recently started streaming. I've been in karate for most of my life and I'm really into all things IT, hardware, software, especially when it comes to development and programming. Can you tell us a little bit more about your karate journey? So I started karate at the end part of primary school, which is like elementary school, what would be about grade six, which we call junior five back then. And when I left primary school, I was looking for a way to continue it. And I joined this club that was just starting up. It was about 1996. And I started doing Shotokan Karate, got my black belt in 1999, and I've been doing it ever since. I have like two dojos that I run, as well as teaching in some of the schools and run private classes for students who can't make it to like the bigger classes. And I teach self-defense, all of that. It's been a great journey. Pretty awesome. Like I would never guess that you had like two dojos and I didn't even really know that you were in karate. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not something that we bring up much in my streams, but on occasion we can talk about it, like, especially when we're playing Tekken, because Lydia does a very similar style to what I do. Her her style is based on the traditional Okinawan karate styles. So I don't know exactly which style she does, but it's very similar to what I do. So some of the moves and even the kata that she did or the form that she did in the reveal trailer, we do that exact same kata it's called. Yeah, somebody else was telling me about her fight style and how it's like the most realistic in Tekken because it's like modeled after an actual fighting style. Well, actually that's false. Most of the Tekken fighting styles are actually real life fighting styles. So like Huara, that's why I fell in love with Tekken. When I played Tekken 3, Orang was doing Taekwondo and we have a Taekwondo school that's like in the next building from where we train. So I was recognizing his moves in Tekken 3, you know, like the intro, you, you know, Tekken 3, right? Yeah. So you remember who Orang had like an intro sequence where he was like punching, kicking, etc. Well, I know of Tekken 3, I've never played Tekken 3, but I know of it. Right. Like it, it sounds like a lot of people started. At Tekken yeah. 3. Yeah, Tekken yeah. 3 was huge. So Huarang actually does Taekwondo, all his moves, genuine Taekwondo moves. Eddie, for instance, Eddie, Tiger, and Christy, 
from Tekken 4. They all do Guerra, which is a Brazilian fighting style. And then yeah. you have people who do various styles of Kung Fu, like Law and Lei and Feng. And the, the, the most made up fighting style might be the Mishima fighting style, but even the Mishimas, they have genuine martial arts techniques. That's, that's why I love Tekken and martial artists can look at Tekken and be like, that is a well-executed technique. You know, that's a well-executed kick or a well-executed punch or a well-executed block. Okay. What, what fighting style would you say Lily has? So Lily, I can't say. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I honestly purely made know. up. I'm, I'm not sure if it's purely made up. There's a lot of back turn moves and generally in fighting, you don't want to turn your back to people. Like I compete, I've competed nationally, regionally and internationally, and you never want to be in the ring and turn your back to somebody. And only for a split second, if you're doing like a, a spinning technique, but you never just want to be hanging out with your back turned to somebody that's. That, that'll get you disqualified. She does do that a lot. Her style is very, like, acrobatic, too. It is. It I is. I think that's why I, I like playing her. She's just, she's just very dramatic, and I like, I like the drama. I think the thing with Lydia is that it's a fighting style that most karateka would recognize yeah. because in the WKF, which is the karate style, the karate organization recognized by the Olympic Committee, the are all from the Okinawan chain. So you have Goju Ryu, Wataryu, and Shotokan. Those are the four main styles that are recognized by the WKF and they've only recently started to include others. And she comes from that lineage. Fun fact, the, the guy who choreographed most of her moves, he is a Shotokan practitioner. He's a sensei in the JKA, which is the Japan Karate Association. When did you get involved in programming? So I started playing around with programming in the early 90s when I got my first PC. It had Windows 3.1 and DOS, and it came with QBasic. And then I had this book about learning to code with QBasic. So I would basically like write the code down and watch stuff happen. And eventually I started like playing with things, changing colors. And that's how my programming journey started. I remember coding this game of Pong and having the ball change colors every time it hit the paddle. And that just blew my mind. So from there, I, I looked into other kind of programming. I got GW Basic. I got Visual Basic when that came out, C++, Java, and then eventually fell in love with Python. I mean, apart from the web development languages like JavaScript and HTML and CSS, Python is my love. So you mentioned QBasic. I know we're supposed to be talking about games and I'm just, I'm curious. I've never heard of QBasic or like G, you said GW Basic. Right. So they are both predecessors to Visual Basic. You know, Visual Basic. I've never heard of that either. I know. I don't know if people still code in Visual, in Visual Basic. I think most people know they're on net, but Visual Basic. It was like when I want to say Windows 98 or somewhere around there came out, they shifted from QBasic to Visual Basic. And then before QBasic, there was GW Basic. So, in, excuse me, in GW Basic, there was no color. Everything was basically black and white. And then in QBasic, you could start to add colors. Things. I think you add like 
16-bit or 32-bit colors at the time. Don't quote me on that. It was a long time ago and I have a terrible memory. Yeah. But yeah, they're like QBasic and GWBasic are basically should be dead programming language. I don't think they're they're used anymore. All right. So we're going to get a bit into gaming now. How long have you been gaming for? I've been gaming probably before I started programming. Whenever the Game Boy came out, actually before the Game Boy came out, like I started gaming personally when the Game Boy came out, but like before I used to be in arcades and stuff, spending my, my bus money. So I remember playing games like Samurai Showdown and uh, there was this one where you had to like shoot the, the laser gun at the screen and like, I think it was Desperados or something like that. Metal Slug and Contra and all these things. And then I had friends who had like Nintendos and... When I got a Game Boy, it was over. Went from Game Boy to PlayStation to PS2 to PS3. And since then, I've been a PC game. So you mentioned you used to go to arcade. And I feel like this theme has come up in past episodes. To you, what was arcade culture like? So here on the island, arcade culture was basically a bunch of kids fresh from school or on the weekend just in a massively crowded room, everybody just waiting their turn to get on and trying to stay on as long as possible because you're spending your money to play, right? Especially when it came to competitive games like fighting games or racing games, you get in there and it's basically when the match is over, you stay on until somebody else comes in because it went like into arcade mode and then you had to put in your quarters, press start to face... Like you, you get near, here comes a new challenger kind of thing. So it was very, there was a lot of camaraderie, but when you were on that console, like, like right next to somebody, it was, it was like your bitter enemies and the trash talk was real. Like I remember playing Street Fighter 2 and I like Chun-Li and anytime I, I hit somebody at the end of round, or even when you grab somebody in the middle of a match, it's like, yeah, take that. You know what I mean? It was like in your face, kind of trash talking, not for the sake of trash talking, but just kind of like to get into your opponent's head to, to make them frustrated. Because once you're frustrated, you can't focus. So it was just like mind games as well as trying to learn playing the game. It was amazing. I mean, it sounds really intense and because others have mentioned that too, that aspect of like having your opponent right there opposed to online. I don't know how I would feel about that if I was playing Tekken and my opponent was right there. You know, they couldn't one and done anymore. Unless right. they were in quarters, I guess. Yeah, that was basically it. And after quarters, it, when the PlayStation and so came out, it went up to like a dollar to get onto the game. Like the ones cabinets were 25 cents and then... The, the, what was the modern era at the time, the PlayStation dropped. It was like, okay, you got to pay a dollar to play these PlayStation games. And that's when I met Tekken 3. I was like, what is this? Where have you been all my life? It's like, you can move into the background and foreground. Like before that, all I had was Mortal Kombat, Killer Instinct, and Street Fighter. Well, no, I had, I like, I, I played games like King of Fighters and that kind of stuff, but Tekken 3 was the first game I mean, that you could actually see like, oh, this is like real life fighting. It's not just moving back and forward and jumping. It's like 
even the jumps felt realistic because you couldn't jump over your opponent. You, you could like jump like a little bit into the air, but you, you didn't really want to use jumping techniques unless you were like Aram or Kaihachi because they had like specific aerials that could do damage. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Did you ever play a uh, virtual fighter? Virtual. I did. I played virtual fighter on the Sega Saturn. What were but your thoughts about it? Virtual Fighter felt really sluggish at the time. Like it, it, it was 3D and like it was a lot of fun because of the ring outs and stuff. But Tekken was just like next level. You know what I mean? It was like Virtual Fighter, but better. Another game that I loved as well was Bushido Blade. I wish they would like make a Bushido Blade on current gen stuff, like current gen hardware. Because Bushido Blade was realist martial arts game I've experienced with, with weapons, you know what I mean? So, do you play most of your games on, like, a PC or a console? Yeah, I'm exclusively PC now. Oh, okay. So, when when did you make that switch? And why? <laughs> That's a long story. The short version is I was fed up of Sony. Because I was a Sony, I was a Sony boy. Like, I was on the PlayStation 1. I had close to 100 games for PlayStation. Then I got a PlayStation 2. I had like close to 100 games, PS2 games. And then I got a PlayStation 3. I had close to 100 PS3 games. And then the PS4 came out and it was like, where's my backward compatibility? You know, at this point in time, Xbox guys were like, oh, we, we don't need to like buy all brand new games. We can still play the, the games that we have that we still love. And I felt like Sony was robbing me. And then every time I was like, I couldn't play games that I wanted to. So like I was heavy into the Metal Gear franchise, right? I've been playing Metal Gear since the Nintendo days. So when I played Solid on the original PlayStation, it was cool. PS2 came along and there was Sons of Liberty. It was like, okay, I'll play one over. So it's fresh in my head and then I'll play two. And then I can't remember if Snake Eater was on PS2 or PS3. But I remember like going into Snake Eater and being like, this is awesome. And then when 4 came out, Metal Gear Solid 4 on the PlayStation 3, I was like, you know what? This is back to the Solid Snake saga. And I would love to play 1 and 2 over, but I couldn't. I don't think you could have played PS2 games on the PS3. So all my PS2 games were just like trash at that point. And I was like, man, that hurts because there were some really good games on the PS2 that I wasn't able to play anymore. And then the same thing happened with the PS4. Like I had so many PS3 games. I still have PS3 games on my shelf that I would love to play over and over again. And I wasn't able to do that on the PS4. And I was like, you know what? Instead of, because it's really expensive to bring in stuff here. So instead of spending that money to bring in a console and then still have to buy games, I'm just going to invest in a PC. And that was when I started being a pirate. Okay. I have all sorts of questions right now. First of all, consoles never used to have backwards compatibility. At what point did you start expecting them to? Because of the bloody Xbox, right? Because, yeah, you didn't have backward compatibility when you had cartridges, like, from NES to Super NES, you expected to move on. But then when the Xbox came out, like, 
I can't remember which one it was that was around the time of the PS3 or the PS4, it would have been. It's like Xbox, like Microsoft fanboys were like, bro, you can't even play your old games anymore. You got to get a whole new system. And, you know, Sony's excuse was like backwards compatibility is going to make the console more expensive. And I was just like, you know what? I'm done. I'm, I'm going to get into ROMs. I'm going I'm to pirate all my shit, get ROMs, and play the games I want to play. And that's what I did. Because I was really ignorant back in those days. I was young and dumb. <laughs> I mean, I kind of agree with you about PlayStation and Nickel and Diamond. Because, like, you know, I've always been into PlayStation, you know, since, like, Sega kind of dropped off. But now I just feel like, you know, they don't really care about their, their fans anymore. And I'm ready to go to the next box. I don't think I can ever go over to PC. Because I'm not a PC person either. But I don't think I can do PlayStation anymore. Yeah. As much as I hate to say it. <laughs> um, and I also know that you must have had like a hundred games on your PS3 and PS2 because like your game list now on your computer is like no joke. Like that was a yeah. move. Like how many <laughs> games do you have on there? Too many to count. Like my my installed games, I have 125 games installed on my PC right now. So the games that I have not yet installed and I need to play, like I have, I have a section of games that is called playlist because it's games that I have and I definitely intend to play one day, but I just haven't played yet. So with so many games, how do you decide what to play? So there's, there's two versions of, of me as a gamer right there was me as a gamer before i got into online gaming and then there was me as a gamer after i got into online gaming and into streaming so before i started playing online with friends which was basically pre-covid like before covid i wasn't messing with online games that much i wasn't into multiplayer games that much i was just give me a nice story-driven game let me lose myself and immerse myself in this fantastic world created by the developers and let me live vicariously through this character. I loved role-playing games, and action-adventure games, things like the Uncharted series, Tomb Raider, Soul Reaver, Metal Gear Solid, Far Cry. Those were the type of games that I would play. Assassin's Creed, I played every single one, right? Uh, after I started playing online, then I got sucked into the, the, the cesspit that is online gaming. You're just talking about PGs and action-adventure games that you used to play. Can you pick some of your favorites? So my first true RPG was a series called Geneforge, which was developed by Spiderweb Software. I think that company was purchased, but I can't remember who purchased them. But it was basically like a top-down, isometric, turn-based fighting, turn-based combat RPG where you develop yourself, discover the secrets of Susia Island where you got stranded. And it was a, a series of five games. You could check them out on YouTube, Geneforge 1 through 5. Fantastic games. Soul Reaver, well, that was on the PlayStation era. I was into Call of Duty for the campaign, not the... So yeah, I like Call of Duty, World at War, Modern Warfare, Black Ops. I was into all of those. Then you had things like Metal Gear Solid. Which is like more tactical, but I was really into these games for the story. The Soul Reaver franchise, again, I played all four games from Blood Omen right through to Defiance. Never got into Final Fantasy though, but 
my all-time favorite would probably be Elder Scrolls. I love the Elder Scrolls universe. I've never played Elder Scrolls, but I have a really good excuse. What is your excuse? Well, I don't like playing games where, you know, you have to invest, like, pretty much the rest of your life in. So, like, I just, you know, it, like, it happened unexpectedly with Tekken. And then it I happened. was just about to say you played Tekken. I know. Though. I didn't want it to happen. It just happened. I don't know. I don't know how it happened. But, yeah, so, like, I practice those games every day. I don't like doing that because they make games too fast. And I cannot keep up. Especially That's exactly like... how I feel with Apex and, and Tekken. And then my friends want me to play Street Fighter. I'm like, bro, I don't have time no, to you sit can't. in training to learn these moves. And then they're upset with me when, when like, I hop on and I'm, I'm doing moves and I'm winning the fights. But they're thinking, like, oh, you're not winning the fights effectively enough because you could have done this combo. I'm like, I don't know bloody combos. Like, look at my Tekken gameplay. You don't see me juggling people and bringing them to the, to the wall and doing a wall combo and maximizing my damage because I don't know the strings. I know the basic left punch, right punch, left punch, and I use that and I kick ass. I feel like with fighting games, there are two very different players, players that are like very serious about it. And then the players that just want to have fun with it, you know, and like, yeah, do not mesh well. I completely agree with you. It's like I had a member of my community gives me frame data and I don't know what to do with it. Like I'm, I don't want to have to sit down and calculate shit when I'm playing a game. Like I, I focus so hard in real life. Like when I'm playing a game, I just want to, I want to relax. I want to be good enough that I'm challenging to whoever I'm playing, but I don't want to go to school. Like I don't want to go to tech in school. Exactly. Oh my gosh, we're on the exact same wavelength. I do want to get better, and I like you can't get better unless you like you have to you have to go but into in the that time. Mode. I have Assassin's Creed Odyssey to finish, and I haven't started playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And Assassin's Creed is a franchise I love, and it upsets me that I don't have time for it anymore because I'm always playing these multiplayer games that just suck so much time. I'm telling you, like, I, I've had Horizon Zero Dawn for, like, months now, and I loved the first one, and I was waiting for the second one to come out, and then Tekken happened, and I'm just like, I just, I don't even have time, and it, it makes me sad. I can, I go on for the whole night of a list of games that are in my playlist that I really want to play, like The Division, Borderlands 3, Metal Gear Solid 5, which is another franchise I absolutely love. And haven't gotten to start yet. The new Hitman series. Like I have Hitman 1, 2, and 3. I haven't played any of them yet. I have, I've mentioned Assassin's Creed Valhalla already. Detroit Become Human. Horizon Zero Dawn. Death Stranding. All of these games that, you know, they're supposed to be fantastic single player experiences. Maybe with the exception of Borderlands, because that's always fun with friends. But all of these games, I just feel like, well, I don't have time for you. Maybe we need to start a therapy group because... I don't know. Maybe we need to talk about this more. Well, Definitely. Guess, Be like, hi, my name is Tisa, and I have games that I neglect. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I do too. Like, I feel I'm, I'm pretty upset about it, honestly. And it's like, I want to put down Tekken, I, but I know I can't. Yeah, definitely not. 
you know, earlier you mentioned RPGs and growing up with RPGs. What was your like initial reaction to RPGs like the first time you saw it? So because I was a fan of books, I think I gravitated naturally towards RPGs because you basically become the character. Like I always tell people, I would rather sit and play a game, even if it's just like a 12 hour game, like a 12 hour campaign, whatever. I would rather sit and do that than watch a movie because with the movie, you're basically, you have no control. And you know, some people, they like to talk to the screen and be like, don't go there, don't go there. In the game, you can, especially if it's a well-developed game that's open-ended and it allows you to choose your own path, then you can do whatever you want to do. Like, you can not talk to this shady dude or, or not, you know, do this quest where somebody wants to send you into a, a dark tunnel because you're like, no, I don't want to go into dark tunnels. And then, like, being able to develop yourself in the way that you choose I feel like I got tricked into liking RPGs. My first one was a Final Fantasy VII. Nice. Yeah, it was the cutscene that did it for me, but I didn't know there were cutscenes because I was a kid and I was stupid. But I thought that was like the actual gameplay. It's like, that's how gameplay is now, not back then. But once I started playing it, I really got into the story and I just started playing more RPGs after that. Yeah, I love stories. So what made you get involved in streaming? That's the end, but come back next week for the conclusion of my conversation with Tisa. And if you're not following him already, you're missing out. Go give him a follow on Twitch. My music today was by DJ Kern. Check her out on SoundCloud. And thank you guys again for all the love and support and for sharing and following. Until next time, keep gaming. You're going in and out a lot. Do you know what might be happening? Hold one second. Yeah. Like it was sounding good and then it was like, oh, it, oh. I'm like, oh no, oh, I want to get it. It could be my fan. Oh, okay. Oh, that makes are, sense. Are you hearing me better now? Oh, yeah. 100% better. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was. I had the fan kind of blowing on me because it gets really hot here. We have, like, the same temperature all year round. I mean, you sound so much better. So I was going in and out for the whole thing? It didn't sound as clear as you do now. Uh, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. It's okay. I, I just, I thought maybe it was, like, the microphone. Take three. I know, I did really like your, your second introduction. Like, I thought that was a lot better than the first yeah. one. Like, you know, I don't know, maybe third time's a charm.